Lord, that is so unbelievably apparent. And God, it is something that we will never venture away from. Even if our life says as much, we know that our heart fully and completely needs you. We need the movement of the spirit. Lord, we are dead without it. And this morning, we won't, we refuse to be dead. <laughs> we step into life. We step into, uh, just what it means to, to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. God, we don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know the details, but Lord, we know that we're going to respond. We know that we're going to step in. God, create a culture for that this morning. Create an atmosphere where we can step in. We love you. Have your way with this message. Have your way with our hearts this morning. May it be breathed by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. (laughs) Yeah. See, (gasps) I'm so excited for this morning, you guys. Just If I'm walking all over the place, like up and down the aisles and standing right in front of you, like right here, hey, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because I'm just unbelievably jacked out of my mind, okay? And it's specific to last Sunday. If you guys were here last Sunday, something happened, all right? Like something, there was a move of the Holy Spirit that was unbelievable last Sunday. And I can, I can liken my excitement, like right before, you know, played football for CSU, uh, right before running through the, the tunnel at Hughes Stadium, there's like 40,000 people screaming. They come to a game where, you know, it's worth watching. That's how you get 40,000 people at Hughes Stadium. <laughs> but they're going nuts. Crazy. All because 120 guys are about to go out on a field and run into each other. That makes no sense, right? But it's like the glitz and the glamour of that moment is it just gets you hype. I'm sorry. That's what I feel like. I'm I'm trying not to sprint up and down this aisle and just get, hey, let's get all the leadership up front and let's just do that little thing that they do before the game and let's get some smoke and we're just going to run run down the aisle like I'm into it. <laughs> but that's not really for today. But I'm that excited. But if I think about what that means Running through that tunnel, I'll never be able to experience that in that setting again. I never will. But that's on like a Saturday or a Friday or a Thursday whenever they play. There's six other days of the week. What happens on those days? Those people aren't in that stadium, right? So it's kind of like the excitement for that moment is built up by the characteristics of that moment. And then it's done. It's gone. Well, guys, last Sunday was so pivotable in Isis's history and what she's doing that I'm excited in the way that I just got done explaining, but it's for a different reason. The glitz and the glamour of last Sunday was people responding to the Holy Spirit. People coming up to the front, people getting healed. The leadership was doing ministry. I mean, the ministry isn't the people. It's not always up front. All right, it's not always going to come through me or my dad or Rick or Beck or anybody on our leadership. But what I'm saying is that a Sunday like that has happened before here where there's been a movement of the Holy Spirit and people have responded to it and people have come up to the front. See, it's not because of that that I'm so excited. This was different. We've turned a corner in a way that is, it's, it's like nothing. Let me say this. We're walking in on territory in, in an era that we never have before. You're going to hear that a lot from me as I continue to, to be up front. But this was different. And it's different because of one thing. (laughs) 
And this is why I love this so much. Our, one of our found, foundational scriptures is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Um, read that at some point because it just speaks to who we are. Now, there's, there's something that the Lord uses in verse 16 that completely explains what happened last Sunday. And he uses this phrase. The, the result... Well, last Sunday was a result of this in verse 16. The proper working of each individual part. It was the proper working of each individual part from me all the way down through the staff, through the leadership, through the congregation, the membership, and people who just come just to be coming. It was the proper working of each individual part. And ladies and gentlemen, it was so beautiful. Again, we've had the response before that looked just like it did last Sunday. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you, that the reason why this is different is because people were operating in exactly who God called them to be. The Lord was drawing out of people exactly who they are supposed to be. And that's why I'm so excited this morning. So, sorry that I'm moving all over the place. I'm walking up and down aisles and getting in front of you and all that. But, um, here's what happened. If we're relating last Sunday to what we've been going through in the book of Haggai. We saw in the, in the first chapter, all the way up to about verse 11. There's a specific way that the Lord is speaking to his people. And then the tone changes. The tone changes because the people's mindset changed, which allowed them to obey God and to fear Him correctly. And then He stirred them up. Alright? Here's what that was. Here's what the proper working is. Nobody in here, let me say it like this, God is not trying to rewire you. Okay? Understand me when I say that. He is not trying to rewire you because He didn't sneeze he didn't hiccup. He didn't trip and fall on his face when he created you. He didn't mess up. So when I say that, when I connect that to the proper working, ladies and gentlemen, he's not trying to rewire you as much as he's returning you to exactly who he made you to be. That's why last Sunday was so pivotal. We didn't add anything. We didn't take anything away. I mean, it was a smaller room. We were across the Hilton over here, so we didn't really have the drum set. It was a different setting, a lot more close, cozy. Sure, the, the glitz and the glamour of the morning was different, but it was different because we are now operating in exactly who Jesus is supposed to be. And it is, I'm gonna keep saying this, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. So here's a statement that I'm going to make to you guys that I'm going to keep referring to this throughout this message. And it's this. And it's connected to last Sunday. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I can't really set it up anymore. Um, you are no longer on the sideline. You're no longer a pedestrian. You're no longer a bystander. You're no longer on the outside looking in. You are now in the game. You are a participant. And you are walking in it. 
That is for you this morning. That is that is what has been on my heart this entire week. That look, we're in a place now where we're done preparing. We've been prepared. We're not getting ready for something anymore. No, see, that's not it. Last Sunday was a... Um, it just... It speaks specifically to the fact that we're in the game now, ladies and gentlemen. We're walking in it. So this mentality that you're a second class uh, Christian... Get that out of here. Excuse my French, but that needs to go back to hell where it came from. You're in it. You're walking in it. It's time to put one foot in front of the other and stop thinking about advancing and actually advance. Amen? So I I want you guys to hang on to that. Now that proper working caused a stirring in the Jews that we looked at. Chapter 1, verse 12. 12 and 13, I think. And then last Sunday, the proper working created a stirring in us. Now see, that that, that stirring continued to Sunday night. And it actually it continued through the rest of the things that we did that week. Um... Bible studies, discipleship classes, but something specific happened on Sunday night, which guys, if you can get a chance to jump into Sunday night, it's deep, it's rich. If I was to tell you that the answer that you're looking for could happen or be given to you on a Sunday night, to me it's like, why wouldn't you go? And I'm not trying to get people there for the sake of numbers as much as Sunday night isn't anything special other than we set aside our flesh we set aside an agenda there's order but there's not really an agenda and we just let the spirit come in and speak that's it and he gets down into the little boy and the girl and each one of us and there's healing there's advancement all right so I stopped last Sunday on verse 14 in chapter 1 Now, if you read verse 15, that's something on Sunday night that my dad and Alec brought to the microphone. Alec is our evangelism guy. But I kind of glanced over verse 15 at the end of chapter 1. Because it just, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, it's just a date. I don't really understand the significance of it. But when they got up on the microphone and said, hey, look, God's not letting me move from this. I had to turn my shoulders to it. I had to look at it. And it's very simple. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. And this is Haggai, chapter 1, verse 15. It's not up on the screen, but that's okay. And so, here's the significance to this date. As the Lord brought me back to this thing. The Lord had moved these people into a place where they responded and there was a stirring of the Holy Spirit and it was so significant that it needed to be recorded. It was so significant that it it signified a change in these people's lives. Alright? November 1st, 2015. We turned a corner. That was last Sunday. It's signifying, okay, a change in something. Now, that doesn't seem like it's very significant, Right? Well, the next part of chapter 2, it starts out with another date. Okay? And that just says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Now, 
it's about 30 days. It's about four weeks in between those two dates. Right? So that means from uh, the sixth month to the seventh month is about, I mean, if we want to think about our calendar, June to July, end of June to end of July, all right, to wrap your head around that. These people, if you look back, they were stirred by the Holy Spirit. That means for a month's time, they were walking in that stirring. Now, whether a month means anything for us, I have no idea. That's for the Lord to kind of, you know, speak to us, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. What, what matters is that the Lord didn't say anything to these people in a month. Because on that day in the beginning of Haggai 2, the Lord is saying, go now and speak to them. So he hasn't said anything. So that means in that month's time, it's kind of like he, he, he woke his people up and just sent them on their way. And they're walking in it. So they're walking in this stirring. I used an example of, uh, last, um, last hour that when my parents taught me how to ride my bike, they didn't put me on a flat land and just say, hey, here we go. They took me to the top of a hill. They put me on my bike and just whoo, shot me right down that thing. <laughs> the momentum, hey, just you kind of, you, you figure out what's going on. You might get the wobbles and you might fall, but hey, you're on the grass. That was cool. It was in a park, it was at City Park, so it was good. See, that's what the Lord did in this month's time. He took his children, he got them in the place where they feared the Lord, they were obeying him, so he put them on the bike and just said, go. So that is significant to me in the sense that it causes me to ask this question as a leader. As I'm taking this thing over, as as my dad is handing this thing to me, these questions come up more and more. After what happened last Sunday, I'm spending my entire week asking this question. How do I steward this? How do I steward this movement of the Holy Spirit? Because you hear stories of pastors who take that and they, they, they run it down the wrong road. We start trying to conjure up things and make things happen and you know what? That's not what it's about. So I ask, I, I keep asking him, Lord, how do I not mess this up? How do I not get in the way? How do I not do or uh, make this about me and blah, blah, blah? Do you understand? Do you hear the basis of where my questions are coming from? How do I not? It's negative. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that when you step in, when I'm stepping into this position as, as the head man, the words come super quick. Like, super quick. And what he said, he spoke it so clear. And it was so distinct that it completely changed my mind on how I'm looking at this entire book of Haggai. Alright, here's what he said. You were built for this. In my head, I'm like, what? That's not, it's not really, it's not really what I ask, God. I mean, I'll ask it again, okay? How do I not mess this up? How do I not get in the way, blah, blah? He's like, okay, you done talking? You were built for this. See, and what he said in that moment was this. He spoke to me according to who I was and not according to who I wasn't. If he speaks to us that way, why don't we speak to us that way? Amen? The Lord this morning wants to speak to you according to who you are, not according to who you're not. So I take that Revelation and run it all the way back through Haggai. He never ever says to these people, look at how bad you were. 
Look at the reasons why I sent you into exile. Look at how disobedient you are. Look how you didn't fear me. No, he just, he speaks to people exactly where they're at. So that you can be real with where you're at and he can deal with you. That's what he did, verses 1 through 11 in chapter 1. He said, you got all this other wiring? How's that working out for you? Probably not working very well. So here's what you need to do. Just obey me and fear me. He speaks to his people according to who they are, not according to who they're not. And this morning, ladies and gentlemen, he's trying to do the same thing to you. Please hear me when I say that. He's trying to speak to you right now. And it's according to advancing, not taking a step back. That is not God's character. He'll be real with you. He'll let you know, look, you may be doing this wrong. But as soon as you change, he doesn't revert back to that. And he never did that to his people. As soon as they obeyed, as soon as they feared, his, his first word out of his mouth was, I am with you. So if I take that, that mentality, and I, I'm, I'm running through these next few verses, here's, here's where it, it leaves us. He's getting ready to speak to the Jews. He's using Haggai to speak to the Jews after a month of walking in this stirring. Right? Now, is that up there? Yeah, verse 2. It's another verse that's just kind of like, at face value, okay, he's just, he's speaking to some people who's trying to set it up, making sure that <clears throat> we understand who this word is going to. You can read that and kind of be like, okay, let's just get to verse 3 because there's a lot more in verse 3. But he says, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheotel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the remnant of the people. And ask them. See, the Lord asked me to slow down right here for a second. To communicate something to you about his character. See, there's a couple different times in Haggai where he speaks to the people and he opens up with verse 2. Speak to the leaders. What he's trying to communicate to you guys in this, in this moment is that he's speaking to the same people. Now again, that might seem like, oh, it's not really not that big a deal. But the reason why he's speaking to the same people is this is the same people that he rebuked some five verses later. I'll tell you what, the Lord has convicted me and rebuked me of certain things. But you know what? He still wants to speak to you. Why is it that as, as Christians, and I don't like beating up the church or, or talking bad about the church, but here's something that we don't do a very good job of. When we're healed... When we step into a newness, we have such a tendency to look back at all of the crap that we've done instead of just walking in the newness. Again, he's going to speak to you according to who you are, not who you used to be or where you used used to, the, the, the behavior of your past. So he's speaking to these people, the same people that he rebuked some five verses earlier. The Lord wants to speak to you right now, regardless of what you did last night. Regardless of what you did before you came in here this morning. Regardless of the thought that you had during worship that wasn't whatever. 
I could I could put so many different examples up there. He is continuing to try to speak to you in this moment. I said something to you guys last uh, last Sunday that you are in a spiritual battle as we speak, as we speak right now. You you don't ever get a chance to like tap out of that. <laughs> That's just the way it is. But see, what the word says is that the weapons that we war with are not of this world. They're divinely powerful. So that means when we step into spiritual warfare, we've already won. Amen? With that being said, the Lord is still trying to speak to you in the midst of your stuff. All of it. So this morning, here's here's where I want your mind to go. What is he trying to tell me today? He may have rebuked me five minutes earlier, but he's still a God who wants to love you and speak to you. Why is it that we are the ones who cease communicating with the Lord when we've done something that's shameful? When we do something that we don't like about ourselves and we put that up on the board and we say, look how bad I was. Sometimes we wear that around like a badge of honor. You know what? That needs to go back to hell where it came from. (laughs) Because that's not who you are. What you used to do is not who you are. That's not it. The Lord still wants to talk to you. In the midst of your stuff, don't ever stop talking to him. So that comes by way of encouragement. All of that was, I mean, the Lord was like, look man, you need to slow down. Let me speak to you on this. That's exactly what he was trying to do to me. Speak. The Lord's character is never to isolate you. Ever. It's always to communicate to you. So, if you can, you see in your little bulletins, if you got a handout there, our cross-reference for this morning is uh, Ezra 3, verses 10 through 13. If you turn there, it's great. we got it up on the screen for you as well. But let me say this before I, before I read this and set this verse 3 up. This is kind of like the, the meat of our message here, but... When the Lord speaks, when he's trying to communicate to you, this is where the title of the message comes in. He's speaking to you because he knows you. He spoke to the Jews in a manner that was congruent to the fact that he knew them. Okay? Now the reason I say that is because taking the the statement that he's going to speak to you according to who you are and not who you're not. Everything that you have been involved in from the time that you were born to the time that you bought that coffee at that little coffee shop over there, the time that you, you know, three seconds ago, all of that is specific. The way that he's speaking is specific to the fact that he knows you. He knows where he's trying to take you. He knows what he's doing. So when he speaks, we have to understand that those words are specific because he knows you. Now let me, let me, let me read this. Uh, Ezra 3. I'm just gonna read it from up here. So verse 3 in Haggai 1, excuse me, Haggai 2 verse, verse 3 is a response to Ezra 3. 10 through 13. If you go back and you read through Ezra, it's like the detailed order of the building of this temple. 
Now Haggai, it's a minor prophet. That's a book. The book is a he's a minor prophet. The Lord takes Haggai and he uses him as a mouthpiece to speak to these people. But if you want the actual story, it's in the book of Ezra, first four chapters. So again, verse 3 of chapter 2 is a response to this in Ezra. And I'm just going to read this. It says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12. So here it is. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. We got 13 up there? Verse 13? Yeah? No? No? Oh, I just read it. Sick. All right. There I go. Hey, you know. I need the spirit. So let's flip back over to Haggai. Now, again, verse 3 is a response to that. So basically what you saw in that is some people were weeping at, uh, let me say this. Now, let me read this, because I gotta read this, help myself out here. Haggai 2, here, here, here's what the Lord was speaking through Haggai to the people. It says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? So we have this word comparison that we're going to throw into the pot this morning. What we read in Ezra was that there was people who saw the temple in its former glory. And now the, this new temple looked nothing like that. So they were comparing the two. Now if Christ, if God is speaking to Haggai, speaking through Haggai to the people and telling them, look, I'm going to, I'm going to communicate with you according to who you are. Not where you've been. We can go all the way back to the the first chapter where we see in the first 11 verses that these people were dealing with one thing. Obedience. Okay? Obedience to the wrong king. What the Lord said is he said, I don't want you to take obedience off the table. What I need you to do is I need you to be obedient to me. So he changed their mindset on obedience. Now the next part of this thing is they came up against opposition, spiritual warfare, and it caused them to fear. What did we talk about last Sunday? The fear of the Lord. The Lord is saying, look, I don't want you to not fear. I don't want you to have a phobia. Let me define it for you. This fear is supposed to be reverential. It's supposed to be a deep respect for the Lord. So here's what he did. He didn't take obedience off the table. He said, I need you to be obedient to the right God. I'm not asking you to take fear off the table. What I need you to have is the right perception of fear. He spoke to his people according to who they are and not who or where they'd been. With that mentality, because he knows you, I'm, I'm applying that to this comparison. Let's throw the word comparison in there. 
Ladies, is that not something that you deal with on a daily basis? Let's just flip on the TV. Look at one commercial. You're supposed to look like this, act like this, flip your hair that way, wear your dress this way. Okay, but it's not just specific to women. Men, you walk into the gym, you want to dominate a space, right? You want to look a certain way, you want to act a certain way. I'm supposed to be a man, all right? I'm never supposed to cry. I'm never supposed to show any emotion. Let's just stop that right there. See, what the Lord is saying through this verse is this. I don't want you to take comparison off the table. But I want you to have the right perception of what comparison is and compare to the right thing. Now what's going to help you understand why uh, this temple business is so important? A little bit of history on that. Solomon, King Solomon built the first temple. And this, the, the old temple, King Solomon represents one thing. It represents the old covenant. Now see, what I love about the word from Genesis to Revelation is that the gospel is sprinkled out through the whole thing. It's not just in the first four chapters. Alright? It's from Genesis to Revelation, and here is another microcosm of that. That previous temple was the previous covenant. We don't operate under that anymore. Guess what the new temple is? And the new covenant is. It's Jesus Christ. So here's what he's saying. I don't want you to take comparison off the table. I want you to compare. Compare the former to the now. And guess what the now is? It's Jesus Christ. So he's saying, if you're going to compare to anything, compare it to me. Because guess what happens after that? When you compare it to Christ, there is no comparison. Amen? So, what the Lord did with me, speaking to me according to who I was, caused me to look at this differently. He's speaking to his people in a way that's saying, I'm not asking you to rewire anything. I'm asking you to return to who you are this morning. That if you are going to fear, fear me. In your obedience, don't obey any man before you obey my word. My word may come through a man like it is, through Haggai, a prophet, all right? But then you weigh that up against scripture. So let's, I mean, that's a whole other message. But what I'm saying is you obey Christ first. And you compare not your circumstance to the value of who you are, but you compare your circumstance to Jesus Christ. Amen? When you do that, my goodness, you walk into the workplace a little bit more confident. You walk into your social circle a little bit more confident in who you are. Because you know what Christ says about you. Are you with me this morning, church? Yeah, I got a few nods, got a few, yeah. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Compare everything to the glory of Jesus Christ. Because in Him, there is no comparison. What I'm learning through all of this is that, as a leader, my job is to draw the best out of those who I'm leading. What that means is to get down into the dust with them. Now, getting down into the dust with somebody means, you know what, sometimes there's hard things that have to be said. But on the back side of that, what this is causing me to do is if I want the best out of somebody, I have to speak to them according to who God made them. 
according to what I see that the Lord has put in them that is valuable and draw that out. What I'm hoping that this does for us this morning is it, it gets us away from the, the, the negative playing not to lose. Ladies and gentlemen, we are playing to win now. Because you're in the game. You're not on the sideline. You're a participant. You're not a bystander. You're walking in it. You're not a pedestrian. So men in the room, you want to get the best out of your family? You want to get the best out of your son, your daughter, your wife, your children? Speak to them according to who God says they are. You want to be a good leader? Speak to your girlfriend, your wife, your your mother, whoever it is, according to who they are. Not who they're not. Not not specifically, hey, here's the reasons why you're not doing so good in this area. But we could do that all day long. But is that is that going to draw the best out of them? The Lord spoke to these people according to who they were and what did it do? It stirred them up. And it was the spirit that stirred them up. You want the spirit to stir your family? As men. I don't know why I'm coming after you men this morning. (laughs) Hey. Speak to them according to what God says. Understand who you are according to what the word says. So that you can lead effectively. You're not the sum of your past. You're not the sum of the fight that you had. 12 hours ago, 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago. That's not it. But here's the conclusion to this. And um, do we have our offering? Do we have people prepared for our offering list? Let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to have the worship team come back up here. We're just uh, we're going to see what the Lord wants to do with this time. Uh, but here's the conclusion to this whole thing. The Lord knows you. So what you're involved in right now in your life is specific to the Lord's desire to speak to you. That means in this moment, this, this moment is not void of that desire. He wants to speak to you this morning. And he's using the language of the Holy Spirit, which is his first language. And I, I, I want to make sure you hear me on that. The Holy Spirit is the Lord's first language. If I'm talking to somebody who's bilingual, multilingual, whatever it is, they got to have a first language. they got to have a base language. Well, the, God's first language, the one that draws the best out of you, is the Holy Spirit. We have to be the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit. It's to communicate to you who you are, and not who you aren't. But the purpose of his speaking. There's always a purpose behind the Lord saying something to you. Is to stir you up and to shape you. And in that shaping, he says, only obey me. Only fear me. And compare all things to me. Ladies and gentlemen, you are children of the Lord. And he is never not concerned about his children. He doesn't have grandchildren. So that means our faith by proxy, that doesn't exist. I can't have faith because my dad is who he is. I have a personal relationship with the Lord. Everyone in here has a personal relationship with the Lord because that's how he set it up 
And he made you to be a powerful woman of God, a mother, a wife. And he has also made every man in this room to be a God-fearing man where at the beginning of the day it starts with him. And at the end of the day it starts with him. And every minute in between it starts with him. I'm going to encourage you guys this morning that as you leave this place to only listen to what the Lord says about you. And that's it. Because that's what's going to stir you up. That's what's going to cause you to go and build something that is worth looking at. Something that won't crumble. So I don't know specifically what the response is this morning. But I know that the Lord wants to speak. So what we're going to do, let me get the offering people up here.